From WNYC, this is Money Talking. I'm Charlie Herman. Tomorrow, September 15th, is the 10-year anniversary of the collapse of Lehman Brothers. It set off a downward spiral that led to a global recession. Leading up to the date, there's been a lot of reflecting about what happened and what, if anything, has changed. The recession also had many unexpected results, like the rise of the Tea Party, Occupy Wall Street, and a widening gap between the wealthy and pretty much everyone else. During this time, the United States also became a major oil and gas producer. The United States, long, long an energy-dependent nation, may, within the next 10 years actually, turn into the world's largest energy producer. I think the oil sector is going through a complete transformation. The International Energy Agency says the U.S. is about to surpass Saudi Arabia and rival Russia in oil production around the end of this year. This is a shift that's had many repercussions around the world. And according to my guest, financial journalist Bethany McLean, it's also connected to the Great Recession. She's the author of a new book, Saudi America, The Truth About Fracking and How It's Changing the World. Bethany, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So examining the 2008 financial crisis and the response to it, where do you see these connections between the recession on the one hand and the U.S. oil boom on the other hand? So it's a really interesting connection, but obviously to help us out of the recession, the Federal Reserve cut interest rates to rock bottom. The key ingredient in the fracking business isn't so much chemicals, it's capital. This is a business that needs immense amounts of capital in order to get the oil and gas out of the ground. So you can actually trace the energy boom in the United States directly to the actions of the Federal Reserve. So the Federal Reserve cuts the interest rates, money becomes more affordable because the loan, what you're paying back on it, is very cheap. Really quickly, for those people who may not know, what exactly is fracking? It's a combination of instead of drilling a well vertically, you drill horizontally through the ground and you inject liquid at very high pressure into this um, horizontal drill in order to get oil and gas out of rock that was previously thought to be impermeable. Explain to me more this fracking revolution and what effect that that has had on oil and gas production. Well, it's had an immense impact. I mean, you can't overstate the amount of the change from a decade ago. Even a decade ago, there were hand-wringing hearings in Congress about our shortages of oil and natural gas. And here we are on track to be the world's largest producer of oil and with what most people believe is a cheap supply of natural gas that could last 100 years. And we're exporting natural gas in the form of liquefied natural gas, LNG. And for the first time in over 40 years, we've started exporting oil. I think what most people don't realize, though, is that the financial foundations of this fracking boom are weaker than they might appear. Because when we look at it, it appears that the industry is doing really well. They're making so much oil that, as you mentioned, it would imply that the industry is really strong and healthy. Right. I cite a piece of analysis that from 2011 to the middle of 2017, the 60 largest fracking companies in the United States lost a combined $9 billion in negative cash flow every single quarter. What, $9 billion every quarter? $9 billion every quarter. And even the most recent analysis I've seen was in the Wall Street Journal that in the first quarter of 2018, only five of the fracking companies produced positive cash flow. I mean, as you're describing it, it sounds very similar to the tech boom around 2000 where there's just money pouring into these companies and they're not really generating profits, but people think they will. Right. Well, that's exactly it. People think they will. And so these companies are valued much like old dot-com companies were valued on a multiple of eyeballs. These companies are valued on a multiple of the acreage they own and valued because they can grow their production, but they're not valued on actual profits because there are none. And where do things stand right now with 
the oil fields that have been found throughout the United States. So the use of fracking has unleashed um, the supply of oil and gas in places where we never thought we could get oil and gas from and in places where we always knew there was oil but we thought had been tapped out. So one example of a place we could never get oil and gas was the Bakken in North Dakota, um, a huge formation under the ground in, in North Dakota that people knew there was oil there but we never thought we'd be able to get it out. And then there's the Permian Basin in Texas, which has been a major source of oil supply for the last century. Oil from the Permian um, fueled much of World War II. But people thought it was kind of old, dry wells and not very interesting. And using fracking in that area of the United States has unleashed this huge supply such that Texas is supposed to be the world's third largest supplier of oil. So what happens now that the Federal Reserve has been steadily increasing rates? If the drop led to the boom in oil and gas, what happens now that those rates are going up? What it essentially puts at risk is the amount of oil and natural gas that we're producing. Because when it becomes more difficult for companies to raise money, to raise capital in order to finance their drilling, then that means there's going to be less drilling. And that means that the amount of oil and gas we're producing could dry up. Okay, let's talk about President Trump and his policies. What effect has that had on the the current boom in oil and gas production? It's really hard to say what the answer to that is. So one of Trump's most uh, well-known policies has been this idea of bringing back coal. And the strange thing is that flies in the face of a benefit that even environmentalists can agree upon about fracking, which is that the advent of fracking and the supply of cheap natural gas it's unleashed is what's helped undo the coal industry and created a cleaner supply of power. And so the idea of bringing back coal would seem to be directly antithetical to the idea of supporting American energy independence through encouraging fracking. And so I can't detect the coherence in that policy. In your book, you don't really examine environmental concerns uh, from the oil and gas production, especially when it comes to fracking. Why is that? Well, this book is a narrow book. It's meant to be a mini book. Someone actually told me, which I think is the best compliment I've ever gotten on a book I've written, that he read it on the beach. And so there's only so much you could take on. But also, people know about the environmental concerns with fracking. What they don't know is about the weakness in the financial foundation. And I always think a story is fascinating to me when there is this hidden aspect to it, something that people don't know that is a really important part of the story. You're very well known for your reporting and your book, Smartest Guys in the Room, which was about the rise and fall of Enron. Uh, You then wrote a later book about the financial crisis. What is it that draws you to boom and bust stories? I think I'm always interested in the numbers behind the story. I love characters, and this fracking story has plenty of outsized, larger-than-life characters. But it's the numbers that fascinate me when the numbers don't add up. And what made me want to write this book was this dichotomy between this idea that this fracking boom is changing the world and reshaping geopolitics, and yet these companies don't make money, and there's this incredibly shaky financial firmament underneath it. And I set out to explore how could these two things coexist. Bethany McLean is a contributor to Vanity Fair. She's also the author of the new book, Saudi America. Bethany, thank you so much. Thank you. I'm Charlie Herman. This is Money Talking from WNYC. 